Coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we return from our winter break and we preview the men's teams for Mansa, Tarko and KPL, plus the women's teams for Mansa, Roy Huteret and newly promoted Hamina. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. And welcome to episode 36 of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Albert, and joining me as always, he's back, our guru on all things Pesapalo. He's tracked across India and Bangladesh. He's now an expert in all things in Indian immigration law as well. It's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? Thank you. The, the last part of it is actually now it's it, it really is true, but, uh, but yeah, uh, well, most of all, uh, now it's been four days since I came back and uh, it, I, I think that I saw enough in those six weeks or so that I, I can safely say that, uh, especially in India, the Pesapalo is taking strides into the right direction. Now it's, it is obviously all about equipment and getting the funding and how it would be done, should be done, could be done. Uh, my trip was maybe more about that. It was of course about coaching as well, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, a fascinating trip once once more and uh, at least this time I knew when I went there that the only thing that you can expect is that you cannot expect anything that uh, <laughs> what it, it is like the it, it is the old come what may uh, attitude and uh, you just live by that but I really hope to see those teams in July when we play the World Cup. But it it really is going to be tight for them financially. Uh, but that's I, I think that that's enough about that in uh, at this point. Uh, but I would like I, I would like to emphasize the fact that compared to pre-COVID situation now that I saw the capacity that India for example have at their disposal and I didn't even see all of the players because it's the school like uh, how should I say it it's like the midterms in they, they have that each each age group has a like terms at some point they have an exam season and during that it's it's incredibly hard to have a training camp or so so I just saw maybe one third of the players that they will be selecting the actual national team from but from those players alone, I could see that uh, the quality is really there and they can play surprisingly good if they just learn the tactical part of the game. Well, it's probably one of the more fascinating aspects in the news I'd I'd been looking at over the, uh, the winter months. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the World Cup this year, and really hoping that uh, teams like India and Bangladesh will make it. Um, we also heard that America and Canada are hoping to send teams as well, which is um, really exciting as well. Yeah, 
I mean, it is fascinating, and for me, it came completely out of the blue. And I'm, I, I for one, I'm extremely happy to see that. And I also know that the the game itself is uh, is expanding. That finances, uh, financial restrictions are of course always there that how much we can go and to different places to take the take the take the game all over the globe but just to mention but a few uh, uh, countries like Bhutan, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, Ghana, Zimbabwe, Haiti uh, for example, those are those countries have declared that they are interested in uh, having Pesapal as part of their sports system. If somebody would just come there and teach them the the game, and of course, I see it as a huge possibility myself to. Like, like, I don't even care if it's me or someone else who goes there, but just as an, like, an, a Finnish sport export, like a, a concept. So it, it would be fascinating, but the World Cup first, and uh, yeah, Canada, USA, amazing additions, and let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see them, as I say. And and Miko, obviously you and I um uh, looking forward to this summer we're going to see the St. Louis Cardinals in, yes, in London yes, together. Yes, yes. Um but I don't know if you'd seen at the moment there was the World Baseball Classic as well, which um I've always been a big supporter of. Um actually finished recently. Japan uh, won their third um title and Which was the so sorry to interrupt, but I I was like uh, I watched it actually uh, when when we are recording this uh, I watched it uh, this this morning actually and uh, the ending of the game was like uh, it was just one for the ages that uh, well I I, I may be like. Uh, uh, overstepping the line here, but it was like the, the best in the world versus the best in the world, and then then it was like <laughs> ended three two. So it was it was really a classic, and uh, I'm look I'm also looking forward to the baseball season. So let's see what yeah. happens. I, I like to draw a little parallel between the um, World Baseball Classic and what the um, Pasapalo World Cup could be in the future because when the World Baseball Classic started of course it's in the midst of the spring training stuff in the Major League Baseball so a lot of the um, high ticket players a lot of the uh, the big stars uh, either couldn't or wouldn't get released uh, from their teams to go and play basically uh, on a whim for their country <laughs> Um, instead of playing for their club. And uh, I know that in the uh, Pesapalo World Cup, we don't always get the top names for Team Finland uh, turning out either. It's a, a sort of similar uh, thing because it's in the middle of the season usually as well. Um, but the World Baseball Classic has now become so important, so significant to a lot of people. It's actually the most watched baseball event in in the year and like you say the the way that the game ended it it's one of one of the most exciting moments um that you can see and and that's hopefully what what I'd like to see the the Pasapala World Cup become eventually you know even if I'm like 65 95 whatever when it happens I'd I'd love to see the, this proper coming together of, of nations where the best is going up against the best. And and I really like the idea of the game spreading to, to other countries to 
uh, anywhere but of course the work that you've been doing in in india and bangladesh in particular has been been fantastic and, and great to see yeah i mean i could i could easily have a 30 minute rant about like how how i how i see it also in the future but just to put it short i i would love to emphasize the idea of uh, having two of the things that I'm really proud of within our semi-professional game. One is the very high uh, uh, education rate, like master's degree rate uh, in in super opposite players. Uh, the, the percentage is over 30. Uh, amongst Superbasis players and uh, as it stands like players like Thomas Jussila are like completing their engineers like degrees in, in the middle of the like the training season and uh, even at the later stages of the careers and players are really international and they play and then they have playing careers and then they have roots in the game and we have a great education system and so we could uh, basically we could have the talent that would be would love to come in uh, to try their hand to apply their trade in the Finnish uh, Pesapalo system we have a lot of small uh, places over here that are huge in Pesapalo and they have a great academy system. Let's see if something like that could pan out. And the other thing that I'm really proud of is the gender equality and the, the women's uh, superpasses is so uh, successful and also in terms of attendance or or anything our uh, like gender equality is is basically the best in uh amongst all sports in finland uh, so i would also love to emphasize that uh in the future and uh if we look like you said that it doesn't matter matter if you're 65 or 90 or whatever uh, I'm, I'm thinking that if we get this thing going if we get some young talent in if we get them to see what what kind of a game it actually is what level we're talking about we may not be talking about getting super passes players that that day may come who knows but but what we would have is that we would have people would who could have that little spark inside them and towards the game and wherever they may end up with their degree uh, later on in life that that would only be good for the game if we're talking about like uh, having people in in the game in various positions and uh, maybe spreading the game all over the world maybe even being in a position where they can help with the sponsorship who knows but that's like a that is like a pipe dream but and i and just uh just like you said i don't i don't care if it's uh if i'm 65 when it happens, I don't care if it's me who goes there or or, or what happens. But uh, what what I do know is that it's it's not my it's not my thing. Like uh, it's not a one man job, and it's not like uh, it doesn't have to be my. Uh, <sighs> creation so to say so i'm i'm just uh thrilled to see the world cup to happen and expand and uh and yeah just to end this rant that actually was just five minutes 
which is good for me. Uh, I would, I would say that the uh, international basketball is at crossroads. I mean, uh, as as we like at this point, the players and the associations are basically at the standpoint where the players play players basically uh they cover all the all of their own costs so that's that's where we are right now and that is not possible for the countries who are not just starting the game and where the average salary is like uh, one tenth of uh what what these people are making uh like every, everywhere else so we need to rethink the thing and if we want to be just play like this uh in the world cup it's it's fine by me but uh personally i would love to see a different kind of approach but but yeah like i said it's been four days since <laughs> since i came from there so uh, I don't. I don't think it's good for my heart to like <laughs> to <laughs> start ranting about this uh, at uh, 10:40 p.m. So uh... yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll move on swiftly then from from that story before you yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. before you conk yeah, out on us. Yeah. But um, one of the other things I just wanted to quickly mention. Um, is that uh, I'd officially now joined Hamina's uh, communications team, which is great. Um, some of you who's, who are listening may have seen some of my articles uh, on the website over the winter months. Um, approximately one a month I'm aiming for, um, generally speaking, but there'll be some previews and reviews and things like that coming up throughout the season as well. Um before we get on to our main topic, there was a recent piece of news I wanted to talk about as well, which was an announcement that uh, some games now will be shown on the national broadcaster Ule as well, which I, th- I thought was quite interesting because it, it it seems as though the game's becoming a little bit more accessible, a little bit more popular. I don't know if, Miko, that's your view of it or or what. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, like heartfelt congratulations, and uh, I I believe that Hamina is, is taking a, like a big step in the wrong, right direction by doing that, and uh, they are doing something that will benefit them in the long term, and that is due to them having a chairman uh, in lack of a better word at this hour but uh, Rami Orola who's, uh, who has the like uh, capacity to think forward so I, I think that that is a big thing and as for the accessibility to uh, our national broadcasting company that is actually huge because and they okay they are taking three other uh domestic sports that they are they want more exposure to those games but the the games that are picked to be shown at our national broadcasting company they are not just any games i mean if you take a look at the list those those are like uh, those are the big ones those those will draw a big crowd and i'm really looking forward to that because the numbers that we have seen uh, like on so-called open channels uh, where you don't have to pay previously have been like uh staggering because uh men's game and women's game both they have they have been basically the top programs on that channel 
that week and if, if we bring it to the like to the national broadcasting i'm i'm really excited to see how that pans out but uh only good for the game and uh i have seen only positive feedback on that and that is how it should be well we're going to move on now to our previews for uh, some of the teams some of you listening may have thought i'm i'm missing a few really key news stories well we'll get to those when we come to the teams i can assure you um so the first uh, batch of teams we're going to look at are the men's group A from this year's Harley SM. So uh, KPL, Mansa, and Tarko. So KPL, um, they lost to Sotokamo in the um, sort of semi-finals of the the Harley SM. But quite frankly, a, a fair number of the team were away either through family issues or occasions or illness and things like that so it was a bit of a a soft version of KPL going up against Sotkamo who obviously um, eventually went on to win but we've seen a bit of a, a, a generational change if I could put it that way with uh, Elias Pitkinen now becoming the uh, number one pitcher for KPL after Kivipelto's uh, retirement. Um, I actually was fortunate enough to see Pitkinen three times last year pitching for three different teams. <laughs> he was in the uh, the Italansi uh, boys game, uh, the uh, KPL uh, Urkespesis team against Hamina, and then in the uh, Superpesis team against uh, Patioki. So I, I got a fair sort of measure of him at different levels. Um, but Miko, do you think that uh, Pitkinen's ready to make that that leap into a uh, a top pitcher just yet? Well, that that is the key question. He is a super uh pitcher. That goes without saying. Uh, we're not now. We're just talking about that. How good he actually is. I mean, he's he's really good, but is he like? When we take everything into consideration and take an, like an over overall look at the game and how he fits into the scheme that how they want to play the game, that is uh, that that is a key thing. He has all the like the physical tools that even though he's a young player. He is like he he throws hard. He even is a, even a power hitter at this at his age, and uh, he, so he basically he has those tools. But now we're just getting to see uh, the the real capability of uh, his overall play. And that is one of the key things for me, uh, for for the actual for the whole super season. To be honest. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm excited to see him grow. I think, like you say, he's he's definitely a super pitcher. Whether he can fill the shoes of Yannick Ibibelto, um, probably not straight away, but. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how he does in in the season. We've seen a few changes in the team as well. Um, Juho Hacklin, who seemed to be a bit of a, a a spare part at various points for for KPL last year, being loaned out to IPV or sometimes playing on the Urkespesis team. Um, he and Nokolov now gone to uh, Johansu. Ossimerlainen has also gone back to Kempele. He seems to be bouncing between uh, Govla and uh, Kempele a little bit. Um, not that there's uh, a short distance between the two places, but there we go. And uh, joining the team, we see power hitter Patrick Valston uh, coming in. Um, what did you make of those uh, those moves, Mikko? I think that KPL has they have formed a stra- strategy for like, 
for years to come. Basically, they have locked their team for the next two years. It's in interesting to see how it pans out because uh, when it, when we uh, talk about Walsden, for example, we are talking about a player who is basically hitting the ball between the players. He doesn't have that like the same kind of batting like like Jukka Pekkavainen and Juhaniemi and the likes of likes of them. He's a he's a power hitter who hits the ball between the players and in in today's outfields it's it is incredibly hard to do that. And Kovala has all the tools still. They have had like a lot squad and that's why the squad players so to say they wanted to go somewhere else to maybe get some more uh, playing time and they are still uh, they, their system is producing new players they have I think they have all the pieces still in place to to play uh, for anything basically but uh, I, I think that now it's uh, they they have more question marks over their team than before the uh, last three seasons for example yeah I think in terms of on paper we've probably seen the uh, the team take a little bit more of a backwards step. Um, certainly last year they looked a lot better um, than they do this year, but that's, of course, on paper. We'll have to wait and see how they, they play in the, the season. Um, I, I still see them as, as a top five team, but I wonder whether some of the other teams may have um, caught a little bit more ground on them Um so I, I probably see them at the latter part of that. At the moment, of course, as well, Patrick Vardama has uh, got a hand injury, so he's not been able to to um, play either. Um, Michael, where do you see KPL finishing in the regular season? Somewhere between three and six. But I would, if if I would say I would, at this point, I would go between four and six to be. Like to not be too exact due to injuries in the season being still two months away, but uh, but yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah, I, I've I've gotten probably about fifth at the moment, but um, I think what we'll do is when we come to the beginning of the season, we'll we'll finalize our lists. I know we've we've done this every year so far where we've predicted where people have come. Ron, surprisingly, has um, either been wildly inaccurate or surprisingly accurate. He's one of the two, but he's not with us today, but there we are. Um, so moving on from, uh, from KPL to Mansa, and yeah, we're now reaching the news story, the big story. Um, Tony Kohonen, of course, was signed as game uh, manager for uh, Mansa at the end of uh, last year. But he's not going to be the game manager uh, for Mansa this year. Uh, in fact, his his career with the club spanned a grand total of two Harley-SM games um, and has ended rather bitterly, it seems, between them. Now we see um, Sotkamo's uh, game manager from last year, Yannick Omalainen, stepping in. He's he's now become the new game manager after a few uh, names I saw were, were floating around. Um, Miko, what do you make of this <laughs> this story? It's it's incredible story to to read, but not that great for the sport. I'm not sure. I mean, if you. If you promise to be my like advocate, I then I can go online to say uh, what I think about the situation, like frankly. But they are the Chelsea or the Manchester City of 
uh, of Pesapallo. So that they can do whatever they want. And if they just have, if somebody on the background happens to, uh, who is pulling the strings, even though like what has been, uh, what has been published, uh, some, some have approved it, some have not, uh, but it was, what was published in the Tampere published like the biggest newspaper of the area where they did a thorough article on who is actually running the club and who is pulling the strings and so on. I think it was a pretty accurate like uh, description of what I've seen so far and uh, and to be honest, what I witnessed firsthand. So uh, they have, they have the capacity. They have the tools. They don't like. It's not all just drama, and the, it is. There is also the fact that I never thought that, even with his amazing capacity as a player I never ever saw Tony Kohonen as a game manager now as it's easy like the hindsight 2020 but uh, for me there was like also it's not all just on like on the club but bringing in Yannick Molanen is a it's a whole different story because he's a he's a personality who like he has a strong leadership so he like he runs a steady ship and that's like uh, that that will be good but it's also a fact that in when you put him together with the players that they have at this disposal right now, sparks will fly and uh, the end result can be anything. So it's really fascinating to see how, what kind of uh, combination it will be. But uh, the one, well, one thing is for sure that uh, the Pesapalo. The whole Pasapolo season got a talking point. Talking point number one. All <laughs> of a sudden, yeah, yeah. It was um, it was quite a strange story to to follow. And and as you say, it's uh, it's a big leap from being a player to uh, being a game manager. And and you and I talked um, a lot about this at the end of uh, last season about the the type of pressures that a lot of game managers are under, especially these days. Um, there's a lot of people management kind of skills that have to go into it. And, of course, as a semi-professional sport, you're dealing with a lot of people's domestic issues, their work issues, as well as the pressures of the club and and all these competing things. You're kind of on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week with these kind of things. It, it takes a, a a special type of personality or person to be able to pull those things together. And it doesn't necessarily fit, like you say, that if you were a great player, that that will translate as a great game manager. I mean, tactically, strategically, those kind of things will probably all fit. But the things that wrap around with it may fall apart. It's almost like having a jigsaw puzzle and finding pieces you think will fit together and just trying to bash them together with with your hand it might not uh, might not turn out okay yeah, but and if i may add one thing is that uh in any walk of life uh, let's say that you take a composer who is like at the best two percent of like composers that have ever existed in in that particular uh, like style of music or anything like that, will that composer he or she 
ever be able to bring that genius into uh, like to be used by someone who is not into to descent. Like that is the big question here, because we all know that he's the best player to ever play this game, and even if you would argue that he is not the best, anybody would say that he isn't in the top five. But it it is a completely different discussion altogether. That is he a good game manager? Because. He he knows he has one way to play. He he's not he's not a coach to begin with, uh, so they have to build a coaching team around him. Fine, you can do that. Uh, domestic issues, fine, you can find somebody to do that. Uh, then we come to the to the actual important part that. Is he able to bring his know-how from the game uh, into so-called not? And I'm not saying that Montepepe players are like everyday players who just happen to be average players, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's it's like uh, not all the best, not all the geniuses of their. Uh, Whatever the whatever the profession might be, they are not the ones who are also suitable to cheat to teach the other ones, and they they are like I I can I can mention a like a boatload of names who are the uh, extremely suitable to be game managers. After they uh, stopped their playing careers, but uh, Tony Kohonen was always, to me, was like a big no-no. Well, we'll see how um, Mansa really moves forward now with uh, Yannick Ormalainen. Um They'll uh, treat the Halia Sam as just one of those things that just happened some time earlier in the year, and we move on. Now we've seen a couple of moves. Um, obviously, the big departure from the club was uh, Thomas Jusilla. Um gone to Kempele, uh, strengthens their, their team quite significantly. Um, a couple of younger players coming in, um, Konsta Hörterleinen and Savary Pispanen, uh, joined from IPV and uh, Gankampai as well. Do you see these as sort of players that will grow into these roles at Mansa a little more, or do you think they're ready to be on a a championship contending team it seems like a stretch i mean Erdolani has the tools to grow from what he has been that is for sure uh as for peace planning uh you never know i mean you never ever know what he is up to next. Uh, he's uh, he's he's somebody that he can just all of a sudden say that I'm just gonna play floor ball and like he he does what he what he wants on the field and that that can turn out to be a good thing or not. Uh, but uh, under Janekomulainen's uh, stewardship, that's not gonna that's not gonna be the case. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to to see more moves uh, go coming their way even before the season begins. Yeah, I. I think with Monsi, you, you tear the rule book up and start again. You know, when when they sign players, they sign players. If they want to then change that signing, sign somebody else, then they'll go and do that. Um, it's not against the rules, of course, um, but it's it's just a different way of thinking, perhaps, to what we've traditionally seen. Um, 
for me, I, I, I see both of those players as play, players that could grow, players that could fit in with the team, but uh, m- may not. Um, in terms of where I see Mansa this year, I see them still towards the top, maybe uh, maybe second or third. Um, Miko, your view? Second or third sounds doable. I mean, yeah. Yeah, with the players that they have, still hard to see them worse than third uh, in the preseason rankings. But let's see. And so our final team in the men's, before we uh, take a short break, um, is uh, Tarko. Now, last year, they were one of the buzz teams that really um, excited fans. There's a lot of uh, people coming back to the stands. We've seen a shift in game manager again, uh, Anduli Sanamaki, uh, having now left. Um Seen a few names joining, uh, Jesse Eskelinen uh, from Kite and Rico Niemi from Sotkamo. A few players have uh, left as well, mostly to get experience, I think, in, in Urkespace's uh, teams. So, Gabo Kalmari, who's um, appeared in some of the Haliasem games for them, um, Elmo Peltonen and uh, Josu Arate have all gone to Hamina, uh, Mika Matika and... Uh, Villa Vierma have gone to Yuvaskul uh, and Kiri as well. Um, Miko, is, is Tarko likely to be taking a step backwards now um, this coming year, or do you see them still keeping up that pressure? Uh, well, in terms of those players, they are, they are definitely taking their, like, they are thinking about the future. Uh, 2023 will be the make or break year for those players you mentioned that they have signed. And uh, after that, it will be a new project. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit. It's a little bit funny, it's a little bit weird that also also in Pesapolo we are moving into the direction that is some may think that it's healthy, some may think that it's uh weird, but uh but we know I mean when we are talking about these teams it it needs to be said that uh, it's it's not even a secret. Everybody knows that uh, like Iro Jaime will be the game manager for Sotkamo Yumi in 2024. Everybody knows that Jarko Pokela from Pori will be the game manager for Tahko in 2024. Even before the 2023 season has even started. So now we are having a game manager who is like who knows that he's over there just by just on a one-year deal who is not happy with that i would assume playing under him uh, like uh over a decade ago uh almost two two time flies but but it's i mean at least you get time to think about things and uh, prepare for the future. And uh, when you are talking about the players, they know who are, who they are playing for. And Tako may not be the team this year to apply the pressure, but you never know. It's. I think that this is... Uh, I I call them I uh I officially name them as the Ron Bronson team in in this like he, here and now that w- whatever 
is the prediction that Ron makes. I will go along <laughs> with that. I mean, if it's second, if it's 11th, I'm with Ron. I mean, it's it's anybody's guess. I mean, they, I, because I know that he will not put them above Vimpeli, so... Uh, so yeah, we're, I'm, I'm with Ron. So yeah, he, yeah. he can make my decision. Well, we, we said last year that Darko were probably going to be one of the more exciting teams to watch just because you just never know whether they're going to be amazing or whether they'll just miss out on something. But, um, I, I kind of felt that the moves over the winter, the the loss of um, um, of the game manager Ulisaunamaki, I, I I just get this kind of slight kind of disappointment. I feel maybe they're not going to be making enough strides to uh, compete against teams like Sotkamo, KPL, Yoansu, even Mansa, Vimpoli. I I just think they'll probably have lost out a little bit there and. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see what twenty twenty four has to has to bring because that's really what they'll be be looking towards already. But um, as I say, for me, they're probably just uh, dropping back a little bit from those top teams. Um, so I I think maybe sixth, maybe seventh. Yeah, playoffs, playoffs for, for them definitely. Playoffs definitely, but but there we are. So that's the men's. Um, teams will take a short break and then we'll uh, come back and uh, deal with the Group A from the women's teams. Okay, so uh, welcome back. We're now uh, shifting from the men's superpaces to the women's superpaces and looking at the Group A teams from this year's Halle SM. So uh, dealing with teams such as Mansa, uh, Roy Hutteret and the newly promoted Hamina. So uh, dealing first, Miko, with Mansa, a lot of change here, a lot of new players being uh, brought in. First player, obviously, to catch my eye was um, Venla Tanhua, who uh, came from my letterette from uh, last season, uh, was awarded Pitcher of the Year, I think it was in April, at uh, the very beginning of the season, um, and, of course, interviewed her on, on this podcast. Um, real kind of heart of that uh, my letterette, uh team that saw them into the playoffs, Um Really interested to see how these signings go. I think it's a lot of focus has gone into building up this monster uh, team for this coming year. Um, what's what's your view, Miko? If you take a look at their like the quality that they have in their roster. You only need to take a look at numbers one, two, like from one to five, if they if they stay healthy. I mean, those those players alone will uh, take them to top three, uh, and uh, maybe even higher. So that's like that's my view and. Uh, if they can put all the places places together, when uh, Latanhua takes care of the biggest issue that they had, and they were quite high last year, so who knows? I mean, I I like the team, and uh, I think that they are they will be. Uh, well, they are well equipped to be a championship contender this year. Yeah, I agree. And and like you say, looking at the, the first five in the lineup, you've got some of the 
the most competent uh, hitters uh, in the league there. Um, Sergei Eskola, of course, last year having a great season. Berpi Huka coming from uh, that unfortunate injury from, from training to her eye as well. Um, it's it's a real championship uh, team that they've got here. And like you say, covering covering the, the biggest issue picture that they have, um, it seems to me that they they really are going for it this year. I mean, not that they didn't last year, but this is a team. This is what we're going to do. We're going to win the championship, um, which is great to see because I do think that um, Monster's women's team have been a little neglected in comparison to the men's team for the last couple of years since the men were um, promoted. Um, but it's nice to see that uh, that actually this is a, a team that's been thought about uh, a lot more over the winter. Um, I'd go as bold as to put them probably first or second um, again in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, the, the only question mark that I have, if there is any, I mean, they, they will score a huge amount of runs during the regular season I'm sure about that and their outfield is also like competent to play for the uh, places from one to three easily in the in the regular season but uh, the lack of if they if they choose to use all their power hitters in the top five or the top six, then they do have a bit of a weak spot where where somebody can attack, uh, where somebody can attack, and when like pu- push comes to shove, and we go to semi-finals or so. But uh, well, it's a long way, but uh, and. Those players can they can play in various ways, but uh, that that is the only way that without uh, like uh, a super level uh, hard hitting choker uh, that is uh, that can be the like where they can stumble, but I don't know. With the, with that kind of team, come on, it's <laughs> it's ridiculous the 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 quality that they have. So uh, moving on then to um, Roy Hutteret, um the biggest uh, departure for me was uh, Lotta Numakari, uh, the uh, pitcher. When I saw that she was leaving Royal Dread, I was I thought, oh my gosh, that's that's awful for them. Um she was such an important part to their team last year. Um the team last year really struggled. There was a lot of times when um batters just couldn't find a way to score runs. Um but Lotta managed to either pitch beautifully in games to keep it close enough and, and eventually edge ahead or herself actually her scoring runs so uh, seeing her leave was um, uh, quite a shock to me but um, from the Holly SM games we've seen uh, uh, Emmy Hun and the Emmy come from, from Tarko and, and actually I was quite impressed uh, with her in the uh, the Hamina game um, Mika, what are your thoughts on uh, Roy Hutteret? Well, I have expected more of Hanonemi, to be honest. Uh, she was uh, like a blow-chip prospect, so to say, uh, a couple of years ago, but that has yet to be materialized in any way, to be honest. Uh, she has had a lot like a couple of disappointing seasons uh, she does have the quality she can be like she can play the part 
Uh, and also, like once again, kudos to Mr. Bronson here that yeah, his uh, to scouting scouting report findings the Hergland sisters they they are uh, getting better and better and they like they are they are ones that I will be like keeping a close eye on because they can this can be a year where they take a step like even further and uh, and Ellen Kentala too uh, her, like her um, her mother was a top class player and uh, I think that she's she has all the capabilities to follow uh, or be a player of her own obviously but she's coming of age too it's it's a really interesting uh, team uh, for me. I think the last few years, Roy Hutteret have struggled with some consistency issues, some issues in the outfield occasionally, issues in terms of um, for batting as well. Um, I'd, I'd like to see some of those consistencies, um, uh, those inconsistencies go away. And... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they're going to be a team that will still be towards the bottom end of the, the table. I think they'll probably have improved a little from last year, potentially. Um, but there is going to be a real fight between the bottom few teams as to who is going to be in that relegation fight. There will, but I I think I'm a bit more positive uh, about this year so don't know it's uh, hard to say where I will be ranking them as of now but I do not see them getting relegated that's uh, that's my uh, prediction yeah um, I, I I think they'll probably stay stay up definitely um, but um, they'll they'll be down that bottom end of the table in in my my view. Uh, moving on then to um, Hamina, of course uh, promoted from Urkuspesis last year, and a team I I followed very closely as part of my work that I do with the club. Um, they were excellent last year. Um, fielding um, was was really key. For them, very consistent, um, and runs seemed to come pretty easy. The, the The main opponent for them last year was Kiani. They they struggled against them a little bit, but overall, in Pesis, they they were cut above everybody else. But of course, now they're making that leap from Pesis into Superpesis, and well, it's a different game altogether. Um, Nina Nukarinen, of course has played in Super Pisces, uh before. She's um, had a career uh, for several teams before going back to her breeder club of Harmina. But this is a team making a few a few signings here and there in the off-season. Um, Rita Juntanen and uh, Sena Soraka from Yonsu. Interesting signings, uh, I think, there. But generally... Um, a, a team hoping to stay in uh, Super Pesis. Mika, what's your view? Well, obviously, I know the players from coming from Johansu, uh quite well, uh, especially the especially Reta Yunduran. Uh, <laughs> she's the young youngest one of the three. There, she has two older brothers, out of which Demo Yunturen plays for Batioki in in the men's superpasses. And uh, I I always used to say that Reta is, I I always refer to Reta as the best Yunturen. So so let's see if she 
if she can uh, fulfill that. But, uh, but in all seriousness, it it will all come down to Esiruteri because she is she is she is a picture that if I would be a game manager, at times when I have seen her play, she has she has done like stuff that I have had really hard time to figure that is that like genius or is that just stupid? Because I mean she's really hard to read and that's always a good thing. I mean she doesn't she hardly follows any patterns, so to say. But she can do surprising things, she can uh, she can throw a vara in the right like in, in a like uh, in a situation where you would could never ever expect that. Or a high pitch or something like that. And she needs to do that because when we're talking about when we take a look took taking a look at the list of players that they have uh, like you said it is a leap to go to super passes and if you, if you have a pitcher who who can actually if if they can keep the outfield to like to to an absolute minimum against their main opponents, then they do have a shot because uh, let's face it, I'm I'm always so almost sorry to say this to you as the uh, as as one of their like uh, one one who writes for them and is a part of their. Uh, group of uh, group of writers and content producers, but this team will not be scoring a lot of runs. That is that is the harsh reality when we're going to superpasses. But they can win if they can keep the score low. Yeah, and I think that's that's really the the key because. The the core of the team last year defensively worked very well and were very consistent. Now, if they can carry on with that and keep the games to low scoring, then they they'll stay in with chances. It, it's taking points here, taking points there that are, that are going to be important for them. That they're up against a number of teams all trying to stay out of the bottom of uh, of the division and. There is a a difference in in a lot of the the quality there, so it's not going to be easy um, at all. Um, I think it's going to be a very um, close run at the the bottom two or three at least. Um, but we'll we'll see how the season unfolds. It is, and I'm I'm thrilled to see them in superpasses. It's not all doom and, doom and gloom, even though it sounds like that when we're when I'm talking about them. I'm happy to see a new, like uh, legendary clubs and uh, playing playing in superpasses and uh, and yeah, let's see how it pans out. So that'll wrap up the teams from our first uh, groups from Holly SM from this year. And in fact, that'll do it for this episode of the podcast as well. So I want to thank my co-host, Mikkel Pirhonen. Thank you a lot. I'm, I hope that I was able to produce at least some, some kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe not inside this time because... Uh, like I like I said to uh, like I said to you before we started broadcasting that while I was abroad I was basically watching the highlights from the Harley SM games and uh, while 
I didn't have time to watch the actual games. So this time it was me asking that <laughs> how how were the games actually <laughs> unfolding and even when when they were playing the men's like final final tournament in Halle SM I was flying from Mumbai to Helsinki at that same time so I, I couldn't not watch the games live but but yeah uh, it's uh, the season is it's not just right behind the corner but we're <laughs> approaching the end of end of yeah. March altogether and uh, it's six weeks away or so well with with doing these podcasts every other week and and trying to get through a preview for all of the teams and the men's and the women's um <laughs> six, six weeks or so will soon fly by um i'm sure um if you've liked what you've heard on the podcast uh today then please do like or subscribe um please leave us a review we'd love to hear from you uh, you can also follow some of my writings on the blog. That's superpesisroundup.wordpress.com. In fact, I'll shortly be publishing something about uh, lessons we may or may not have learned from this year's Hall SM. You can follow me on Twitter at superpesisr and on Facebook as well. And you will even see me writing for Hamina's website, as you've heard me say during the episode. So that leaves me, uh, Ian Albert, just to say, we'll see you soon. If you've got something that's hidden far away